Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text this day is Acts chapter 11. Here especially again this portion as Peter explains to his opponents how the grace of God had come also to the Gentiles. I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord. For nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This is the word of the Lord. Peter was in a quandary. The vision he had was more like a nightmare. If only he could just forget the whole incident. No such luck, though. Instead, he could almost taste the roasted pork. He wanted to spit and wash his mouth out with a fresh batch of wine, kosher wine, mind you. No, 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 he screamed. By no means, Lord, had any unholy food crossed his lips. And up until this vision, he had no plans ever to change that. What were his Hebrew brothers going to say when he told them of this revelation? They'd criticize him, question his mental state. Why, they'd probably even doubt whether he was really a believer. He wondered if he had truly heard correctly. The dietary guidelines of the Jewish people, guidelines that the Lord God Himself had established long ago, were not optional. But regulations God expected His people to observe. Peter had endeavored to keep them over the years. And if he said so himself, he had done a pretty good job. He was being tempted. Yes, that's what it must be, a temptation. The laws are still the laws and must be upheld. Be perfect, Jesus had said. He would do his best, just as he had tried to do all his life. He must obey God. It's a message heard from pulpits and church lecterns today, perhaps more than ever. Do more. Help more. Give more, serve more. Verse after verse of the Bible hits us like a ton of bricks. Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus commanded. And if anyone says he loves God yet hates his brother, he's a liar, St. John tells us, with his finger pointed right at us. No one born of God continues in sin, he reminds us. And we remember our sin. I can do all things through Christ, St. Paul shouts. Though we're not shouting it anymore. All things doesn't seem to include the one thing, the most important thing that we're told to do over and over. Improve. Obey. Become new. You've got to keep the commandments. You have to have a pure heart. You must. You should. 
You have to. Oh, Lord, it's hard. Very hard. Impossibly hard. Lord, we're failing. Miserably. Day after day, we try. Harder some days, not as hard on others. But day after day, the same thing happens. We cower in fear of ridicule when a chance comes to speak about Jesus. We keep silent when someone else's reputation is ruined by gossip. We buzz by someone because we're so focused on getting there somewhere, only later to realize that someone may have needed an ear to bend, a shoulder to cry on, a friend to care. Oh, rats! We beat ourselves up. Sorry, Lord. We messed up again. Sorry seems to be our favorite refrain. It's enough to drive many Christians even to leave the faith. Some have found that being a slave to righteousness is almost as bad as being a slave to sin. Maybe worse. Both seem too demanding, too restrictive, and too unyielding. Something has to give. And it isn't going to be the law's demands. Some quit coming to church as failure seems to be the only option. Some continue to go through the motions, but inside the candle of faith is about to go out. What once was an excitement that seemed to have no limits has now become a weight too heavy to carry, a set of commandments impossible to keep, a depression too deep to get out of. Too much preaching on how to live a Christian life, how to behave better, how to have better ethics, how to try harder, has driven many a Christian to despair. Where is the smile of the redeemed? Where's the peace that we once knew? Where is the rejoicing of sins forgiven? We have come to the realization that sin has not and never will go away. The old Adam didn't drown like he was supposed to and instead will harass us to the very last day. For every sin we've conquered, ten more have gotten past our defenses and we fell for them. Sin still clings to us even after we've tried to shrug it off and run away from it and avoid it and do everything short of Jesus' command to amputate. Mind you, some have seriously considered even that option <laughs> in frustration and agonizing disappointment. Such hopelessness is being experienced by more and more Christians every day. Then along comes something else and the pile of guilt just gets bigger and heavier. A survey conducted a few years ago asked people outside of the church between the ages of 18 and 25 what they thought about people who do go to church regularly. Phrases like, 
hypocritical, anti-homosexual, judgmental, out of touch with reality, unfeeling, uncaring, too old-fashioned, boring. These were the common responses. Such things only serve to drive us deeper into the spiritual funk we're already in. It's no use, we moan. How do we stand up against sin in all its forms these days, yet at the same time battle with our own sins? Some of which are the very sin we're standing up against. Is it possible to love the sinner yet hate the sin? Lord, we don't love others, maybe because we don't love ourselves seeing who we are. It's hard. Too hard. How does God do it? Can the blood of Christ really save sinners such as we are? Can one man's death 2,000 years ago really atone for our accumulated years of sin, let alone the collective sins of the world? Have we lost the whole concept of, as one theologian put it, Christ outside of me, dying for me, and exchanged it for Christ inside of me, improving me? C.F.W. Walther said that once the law has had its way with a sinner, the gospel must immediately be preached. It's the only thing that can set the heart free from the result of the law's work. The gospel is for the sinner, not for the saint. You need Jesus if you have failed today, yesterday every day you need jesus if you haven't loved as he's loved you you need jesus if you're alive and kicking jesus is more than a role model for godly living jesus is more than a good man who came to remind us of our duty jesus had more to say than who our neighbor is and what we're to do for them jesus came to set us free. Free from the guilt of sin, free from judgment, free to live in peace and joy. Jesus came to make us clean. Peter was struggling with the whole concept of what it meant to have the truth set him free. Truly, free and while he was struggling others were rejoicing cornelius and his household must have been dancing with such joy that it was contagious to anyone who stepped into the house while the jewish believers in christ were all in a snit about gentiles and whether they keep dietary guidelines or not gentile after gentile was laughing the laugh of the redeemed. That's what the gospel does to people. When it gets a hold of them and when they believe it, when it makes them clean for the sake of Jesus. 
It causes laughter to burst forth, unbidden and unforced. Beginning so far down in the soul, nothing can stop its eruption. It creates joy that cannot be corked. The Holy Spirit sweeps through hearts, granting true repentance that leads to eternal life. Dead life is resurrected and responds with the mirth of salvation, free and liberating. You remember that joy, don't you? The joy of Christ declaring you to be clean. Christ and His sacrificial death on the cross are just what we need to hear. We who have spent years of effort and tears of agony trying to obey all the commands. What His death and resurrection tell us unequivocally is that people who have failed miserably at times are still God's beloved children and are still forgiven in Christ. Hear again the word spoken to Peter. Do not call unclean what I have made clean. We come here every Sunday beaten black and blue by the world and the devil and our own guilty consciences, dragging our broken bodies and bleeding hearts and wounded souls behind us with a Santa-sized bag of sins over our shoulders, hardly able to wait till confession. And when we're finally able to get it all off of our chest, then with ears that have been burning to hear those words, was it just last week? It seems so long ago to hear that Jesus forgives us again. Again and again and again. Without fail, without condition, without one thought in God's mind of ever being bored or disgusted or tired of doing it. In fact, if you listen closely, you might even hear Jesus himself laughing with glee as he wipes away your stains and cleanses you of all transgressions and tells you again just how much he truly does love you. And we'll wait impatiently sometimes for that moment when we can make our way to the communion rail limping here under the back-breaking strain of past wounds that are still healing and present sufferings that are still hurting and dump it all unceremoniously on Jesus in order to receive from him his light burden to go a full week without the Lord's Supper sometimes Seems like an eternity, doesn't it? But then we'll walk out of here. We might even skip and leap out of here with hearts renewed with the joy of the gospel, minds cleared of the guilt, heads held high again, and we'll nod the nod of the assured. We are entering the mission field, and we're ready. We're ready because today Jesus has assured us of sins forgiven, 
promised us godly love, undeterred and unconditional, and bestowed on us grace, amazing and limitless. We're ready to take another step forward, even if it's followed by two steps back. We're back. Back because the gospel has once again been announced. The gospel meant specifically for the brokenhearted. The gospel that makes unclean you and me clean again. We might even laugh in spite of ourselves. Sure, tomorrow we'll go at it again. With the same gusto we usually go at it, we'll pray for opportunities to witness and we'll get them. We'll look to help others, and we'll succeed. We'll take a chance and say something to someone about Jesus and find out we might be laughed at, but it's okay. It's okay because the word was sown. Nothing could stop it from getting out, and it hit someone's ears and found its way into a hard heart, and there the seed landed. Time for the Spirit to do His slow painstaking work his certain work of creating faith in dead bodies something else Jesus' death and resurrection tells us is that one day when we bow our heads in death the next sound we will hear the noise that will greet us as we awaken from the nightmare of the grave is our own laughter sinners such as we will laugh the laugh of the amazed as we bound through the pearly gates. Men and women that were pretty sure that they had not met God's minimum standards will be crossing over Jordan in complete surprise, whispering, it's too good to be true. But that won't stop them from wading through anyway. It may seem too good to be true, but it won't matter, for there will be Jesus beckoning with His arms spread out with a smile a mile wide on his face and a welcome home banner stretched across the pillars above him with your name handwritten on it by his own hand with his own blood. And we'll go skipping into Jesus' arms and with our own eyes watch as all this life's sadness and messy living and Miserable failures will be trampled in the dust, cast into the forever forgotten. Then, in the twinkling of God's eyes, we'll giggle with glee as our bodies are reunited with our souls, and we won't miss for an instant the tears, the crying, the regrets, the failures, mistakes, or grief. We'll not be able to keep the praise from bounding forth from our lips and our hearts the praise that has so often been buried in our earthly bodies under the tons of grief and despair. We'll stand there, astonished that we really were welcomed into heaven, even after all we had done or not done. We will stand there clean. The gospel message really is that simple. And we just have to ask the Father, do you mean it was about Jesus all along? Do you mean that 
his death was all it took to forgive my every sin? That his resurrection was all that was needed to make me righteous? Yes, it really is that simple. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.